0: The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. It failed. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. The year is 2260. The show, the name of the pop.
1: Episode 50, Passing Through Gethsemane, in which Lita returns and one of Brother Theo's monks is not who he sees. Welcome, 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 everyone, to this golden jubilee edition of The Name of the Pod, your Babylon 5 podcast about the enduring cultural legacy of the 1990s show Babylon 5. I am your host, Chris Tatro, and with me, my co-host, John Cassie. So, episode 50. Episode 50! Who knew we'd make it (laughs) this far?
0: Wow. Yeah. You know, I I think that... um, that 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 deserves, uh, you know, that that deserves a tasty beverage.
1: I think so. Yeah. What, and, what's what sort of tasty beverage it goes best with Babylon Five for you? Oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Uh. Uh, well,
0: hmm. I don't,
1: I don't have it on hand. I it's about twenty feet from me, but I could m- mix up a, a lovely little cocktail of moxie and Malort. Oh. Um, which. <sighs> Is is certainly... Ugh, even a Narn wouldn't less, th- drink that. Yeah, it's less than the show deserves, but yeah. uh, but it's sort of my signature cocktail, the Olmstead. Yeah,
0: uh, uh, Natoth would drink it because, you know, she's got... Oh, sure. You know, she has... Uh, mm-hmm. th- there's nothing you can get past her. That's true. right. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm uh, I'm drinking uh, Zesty Blood Orange Diet Coke.
1: Mm, blood Orange. Yeah. That's a Narn drink. That's
0: yeah. a Narn drink, yeah. 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 Mm. I'm not sure that this, uh, this can is particularly narnish, but uh, no,
1: it's 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 you know. way too smooth and, uh, you know, form factor. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No,
0: um, fifty episodes of of this program,
1: and we still have a couple dozen people listening.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see when we. You know, actually, you know, in 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 all in all fairness, I think if you're going to celebrate. Uh, a 50th anniversary of doing a podcast about a 20-year-old television program you could do far worse than to have this be the episode that hits on your 50th anniversary
1: oh very true yeah very uh, true
0: i thought even given that it mm-hmm. conforms to the pattern that you and i me in particular have mm-hmm. have slagged the program on you know in the past I have nothing but the highest praise for this right. episode. I think this episode is an extraordinary piece of writing, an extraordinary piece of direction, and th- from uh, the guest star Brad DeReef, one of the best television performances in sci-fi TV that that I that I that I could that I could name.
1: Yeah. I I can't disagree with any of that. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, I knew that we were in for a good episode when I saw Brad DeReef listed right. in the credits. He's, he's been one of our favorites, you know, all the way back to 1984's Dune. Right. Um, you know, Mentat, and, uh, DeVries. Yeah, yeah, and, and I was, I was even more impressed than I expected to be. Uh, it's just passing through Gethsemane. Great. It's, it's a great episode. Yeah. Um, it's uh and it, it it does well in in playing against expectations of Brad Derief if you're familiar with his over right uh, that that you see him there and you don't cast Brad Derief unless you're expecting at some point to to bring out some sort of you know manic psycho uh very deranged disturbed individual uh, you know, kind of role. And he, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't fall back into that. It would have been, it would have been a, a, a an easier writing, I think a lazier writing to have some sort of relapse mm-hmm. into his, his prior personality and, and actions. And that's exactly what I would expect when you cast Brad Dereef for that kind of thing. Correct. Right um, r- rather than just you know resisting and sort of being being horrified by his uh, by his past and and embracing it in the way that he does.:
0: Yeah, nobody does the descent into madness mm. with the level of visceral horror that Brad Dereefe does. Right, he's such a human actor. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously he's a human, right? But I mean, what 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 I what I mean (laughs) is that that you I I don't I don't have a lot of difficulty in looking at him and putting myself kind of in you know in his shoes, no matter what role he's Mm -hmm. doing, and Mm -hmm. sort of experiencing whatever the descent into madness he's experiencing is. uh, He's He's profoundly interesting to watch and to yes. listen to. And he has such a capacity for so many different kinds of emotional states. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were sort of talking in the pre-show that we we, we have we, we come to Brad DeReef expecting a certain yeah uh, uh affect,- mm-hmm. right. And to see him being at peace, comfortable in the world, thoughtful and reflective, mm-hmm. content, it was profoundly unsettling.
1: yeah, and and that's even more of what made me expect, oh, this is he's gonna he's gonna break bad, you know, in a hard way. Before this episode is over, right. when his his hair is nicely combed and he's making little, you know, crystalline—they yeah. weren't swans, but right. whatever like little the, figurines, the yeah. yeah, figurines he was making, and yeah, um, yeah, and, I, and I'm expecting Luther Lee Boggs from from Beyond the Sea, right, uh, right, you know, or, or or Worm Tongue or any of these right. sorts of roles, right. like Lawn that.
0: suitor from uh, from Voyager, who was so tormented by his past. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. it was it was almost it was almost too difficult to watch, um, mm. you know. And uh, you know, Peter Devries, the Harkonnen Mentat, was just so so evil. Yes. Right. Um. So so you know, I I came to this episode kind of wondering where where this was going to go, mm-hmm. and and I I found it. I found it extraordinary mm-hmm. on on so many levels. I found his acting to be sublime. Like he should have been nominated for an Emmy. He should have won an Emmy, mm. right? I mean, I, I think that it is the single best performance that I could name yet mm-hmm. on this program. Mm. Okay, now it's... It's hard to compare. Maybe it's unfair because he's yeah. a one-off and everyone yeah. else is, you, you, you know. Is yeah. do, but, but you know, well, you, you, you look at different individual actors and what is their high watermark mm-hmm. episodes. And I think this Brad DeReef, um, Brother Edward performance surpasses all other one-offs. Yeah. And, and to, I, to, to me. And you know what I think about one off episodes. Yeah. Right. They they generally speaking drive me crazy. Now, remember in season uh, two, the David Warner episode.
1: Uh season one.
0: Season one, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. Where I'm like, that- okay, well you know, he elevated that.
1: Right. Right. But he didn't do enough with it. That's right. He didn't he didn't bring that part into action. Yeah in ways that uh, that Brad Dref does here with brother edward.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is a fully realized, fully fleshed out character. Almost mm-hmm. almost after just a few lines. The subtlety of his performance, the way he delivers those lines, the way he holds his body, mm-hmm. right? The the way the way his hair is is done. The yeah. the, the the cast of his eyes. Mhm. Right. That character is fully realized in the first scene. And it's not, the first scene's not even about him. Right. Right. He's just sort of standing in the back and then this business with the figurine. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, the, the the joy is in the giving. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. that character was so gentle. Mm-hmm. There was such a gentleness of his spirit, of his way of being in the world, and a contentedness with the simplicity of his life, that when, when his life started to come unraveled, you know, the life that was given to him after he was mind-wiped. Right. Well, now that's what you want sci-fi to do. You've got a character who was a serial murderer... And you take the sci-fi concept, okay, you get your mind wiped. Now, you know, is, is he actually atoning for his sins by what he's doing? Making figurines? Exploring the, 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 the infinite voices of God? Is that enough?
1: Yeah. What would be enough?
0: What would be enough, right? Right. And his performance, by virtue of how extraordinarily skilled an actor he is sells the argument Mm. that maybe Mm -hmm. mind-wiping, if it leads to this, maybe that's okay. Even though Sheraton and Garibaldi clearly don't think so. Right. Right? What are we to think of it? Right? And in the hands of virtually any other actor, we're going to be left like, I don't even know what that episode was supposed to be about.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: But not in this case.
1: Right. And we had the death of personality sentence set up at the end of season one. Um, Quality of Mercy, I
0: think it was. I think so. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and again, at that point, and And here, even though the question is raised, is this a good thing? Is this a proper punishment? Is it moral to do? Know, these kinds of questions are are brought up but aren't aren't answered definitively with the quote unquote correct perspective sort of forced on you by the show. Right. Which a lot of other shows, a lot of other writers would do. Right. Uh,
0: or a lot of other directors would shade the way they're doing the work.
1: Mm-hmm. To yeah.
0: point you in the in the direction of the correct interpretation, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think you know, you, it, it's completely possible to sympathize with the 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 group of the victims' families, yes, uh, at the end. Um, just as much as it's, you know, well, you, know, if if they hadn't come in, if they hadn't disrupted the 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 psychic block overlay, whatever you want to call it, you know, Brother Edward would have gone on and, and you know led this very meek, very humble, very you know helpful mm-hmm. life. Um, so you also have a lot of sympathy for him. You know, he was he was you know doing good in the world in some way or other.
0: Right, right. And, and you know, the society imposed upon him a punishment that that society deemed. Appropriate punishment for these kinds of crimes. So, at what point do you do 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 you you know sort of accept this as the the judgment of society, right? The the idea of redemption versus revenge. Right. 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 And in in a lesser actor's hand, that would all be muddled. Mm-hmm. Okay, but. In Brad DeReeve's hand, when the when the mind wipe is broken by that Centauri, the the all consuming anguish of knowing what he did mm. destroys Brother Edward. It doesn't make mm-hmm. him it doesn't make him into Charles Dexter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It makes him into a destroyed and deflated Brother Edward. Right. Right. Who has fully internalized the values of the, of the faith tradition that he, that, that he professes. Mm-hmm. And is sort of kind of utterly, utterly dist- destroyed by by knowing what he did right? How can I possibly go forward? I can't, I don't even know the sins that I performed, right? You know, and Brother Theo said, well, God knows all sins. I, mm. it, it, that's not good enough.
1: Yeah, right? he can't make peace with himself, even, if, right. even if, if God or if someone else, you know, Brother Theo or whoever could forgive him, you know, there's no way for him to forgive himself based on the sort of the the, the, the the purity of his new persona.
0: Right, yeah that yeah that's that that's a uh, that's dead on arrival with brother Edward. Right. right. You know that the, the newly implanted personality is implanted so perfectly that the yeah. idea that that there could that there could be any any outcome other than the outcome that we got well, no, no, that that's that's beyond that's beyond grace, mm-hmm. right? I'm uh, you know I'm so I'm so unworthy. I'm unworthy as Brother Edward mm-hmm. by virtue of my humility as a monk. And now that I'm I'm actually this Charles Dexter person, uh, I'm worse. I'm worse than unworthy. I'm worthy of mm-hmm. damnation.
1: Right. right. There's nothing he can do, you know, grace or acts. You know, There's there's nothing there are no acts he can do to right. to, you know, redeem himself. Right. Um, right. You know, yeah. And and, uh,
0: and brother Theo goes to that place, uh, okay, works aren't going to work here. But perhaps the saving love of God will do it. Right. You know, when Theo is 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 sort of performing the essentially the last rites right um, and and the, the 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 journey the course of the story where we see brother edward fully expressing you know the new mallory monastic tradition mm-hmm. right We'll get. We'll come round to his conversation with the vo- with the uh, Membari in a few minutes, um, and then the people tormenting him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then the realization, and then him tormenting himself, and then the parallel. Jesus could have walked away and saved himself for an hour or a day, right? Right. I had But the eventually, courage. they would have caught him, right? There's nowhere to
1: go, mm-hmm. right? Right.
0: My lord had that had that courage. Mm. At the end of the day, I had that courage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, come on! It yeah. was beautiful, mm. I, at least to me. I agree. Oh right? no, I agree. Uh,
1: I agree. I think it was. I think it was a phenomenal episode. Yeah. Even though, as you've said, you, uh, or as as we said before we started recording. I, I couldn't tell you a thing that any of our regular main Babylon 5 characters did in this episode. Yeah, they... They they, they, they really weren't relevant.
0: Yeah, yeah, th- this could have been... That script could have been on any other sci-fi program.
1: It's almost more of like a Twilight Zone kind of script. Yeah. Or, a, or a Black Mirror. A Black
0: Mirror kind of script, this right. Is,
1: this is a very much Black Mirror episode.
0: Right, right, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in the uh, Lurker's Guide, uh, the JMS notes, he describes it as sort of Twilight Zony. Um, Oh, okay. You know, and so I think that that, that that's resonant, right? Yeah. Um, And, you know, I I think that that many sci-fi programs try to do one of these kind of emotionally deep, uh, sophisticated ideas programs. Uh, mm-hmm. And they often land. Sometimes they don't. But you know, mm-hmm. a- after watching this one, I was thinking about you know the city on the edge of forever. Mm-hmm. Probably more effective because they make Kirk make a decision in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, yeah. you, you know, you know, the Sheridan. Uh, you, you know, uh, uh, Ivanova. You know, none of our mains are implicated, right? Right. You know, uh, I think about the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, The Inner Light, where Jean-Luc Picard lives an entire life. The Flute. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. The Deep Space Nine episodes, The Visitor and Far Beyond the Stars, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, Far Beyond the Stars isn't even about the characters. It's, you know, it's the actors playing other people in the 1950s, and yet it's still extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and and on and on. But this particular episode, it could have been on any sci-fi program. It has to be on a sci-fi program because we're working with this kind of mind wipe concept, right? Right. But yeah, I, I think if you were to redo this as sort of a black mirror episode, you would sort of take this plot and mm-hmm. uh and and um and kind of take it out again for a spin. I think it would still work.
1: It's very much like uh White White Bear.
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Yeah got that same kind of you know it's it's all that's the only level of technology you really need it doesn't need to be on a space station it doesn't need to be you don't need vorlons you don't need any of this other stuff going on uh to make this a really strong story
0: that's about my favorite episode of black mirror Mm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i was so sure i knew what was going on and then like 90 seconds towards the end it's like oh my head Mm mm-hmm are they really gonna go to this other place? No, they would never. And that's exactly what I was. Oh, I mean, you know, Black Mirror is so great because of the reversal at the end, right? Right. You know, that sort of Twilight Zone, you know, reversal. Whew! That episode left me, you know, A- ruined, absolutely. done in. You know, like I can't do anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Uh, Gonna go to the beach and stand in the sun, you know.
1: Yep, and uh, and tying us back into a, a, a JMS connection. Yeah, go. Uh, you know who was in that episode? White Bear. White Bear. No, what? Who? Tuppence Middleton. Really? Yeah, from Sensei. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Yep. She's Didn't great. remember it. And I, I happened either, to yeah. see it during I was I was looking through IMDb at some point a few weeks ago and yeah. I was like oh yeah yeah
0: so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reassert that I think that this is one of the very finest episodes of this program yet I think I could make a case that it is the best acted um and or it has the best performance mm-hmm. okay. And, you know, two minutes on Adam Nimoy, the episode's director, this episode was, I think, one of the very best directed episodes as well. He got more pathos out of characters that don't normally go there. Garibaldi, Mm -hmm. right? Sheridan, okay? You,
1: know. you could definitely see the emotional, yep. you know, th- this had an impact on Sheridan. I, I I, almost wish, although, you know, it's hard to pay Brad DeReef's salary, but I wish we'd had more of a buildup of uh-huh. a relationship between them because Sheridan really seemed to be affected by all of this. And all we really had was that chess match scene at the beginning, right, you know, there w- wasn't quite enough groundwork yeah. for, for the level, but but it was you know yeah you're you're right the performances were were terrific and this is this is pretty early in, in Adam Nimoy's directing career
0: yeah I mean there were some scenes when when Brother Edward is standing behind that portcullis mm. and you know he's marked by the cross mm-hmm. right in shadow. You can only see his eyes, you know, and there's his Brad Deref's mm-hmm. eyes are so expressive. You don't need right. anything else.
1: Right. Right. And it looked almost like a confessional. Right. Like great. There were so there were there were a lot of levels of that imagery yeah. going on. Yeah, there.
0: There. there was a lot to look at and think about. Mm-hmm. And the scenes where Brother Edward is alone in his Spartan cell, just the cross. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's praying or he's he's lying on his bed in, in developing anguish, right? Mm-hmm. And there's there's nothing in there except this background that looks like the sort of background you'd see in a you know in a thirteen hundreds pietà right or you know kind of church triptych, right? The simple cross and then the the person of faith struggling,
1: mm-hmm.
0: ah, extraordinary, yeah, you know to to uh, you know to my way of thinking, um, mm-hmm. and right, we're never gonna. I mean, Babylon Five is not uh, is is not the space utopia, right? Mm-hmm. That we get in Star Trek and Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's 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 real. It's meant to be the real world in some respects. You know, an analog for the right. real place, and. 1990s. I mean, certainly we were in a place of, of of arguing as a society about revenge versus rehabilitation.
1: I don't think that argument has ever really stopped. Although we've we've kind of stopped talking about it, but I don't know that it was yeah. ever resolved. Yeah, it isn't you know, resolved, is it? The, what is the what is the purpose of the of the the judicial and penal system? Well, apparently it's to make You know corporations millions of dollars these days, Um, right? You know the prison uh, industrial complex, right? Yeah, Right. And have people, have prisoners putting out fires in your in your state for a dollar a day, right? Right. That's that's terrific. That makes me feel real uncomfortable. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 a it's a question. I don't know. it, It goes back as long as there have been people and there have been violent crimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's what's is it is it revenge or justice? What's the what's the right thing to do? And right, you
0: know, yeah, it's, I don't it's, have
1: an answer. I'm just a stupid podcast host.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But you know, yeah. I was uh, I was thinking about throwing the question to you. Well, you know, what do what do you think about mind wiping? But then it's like, well, if I ask Chris, he's going to ask me back, and I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Right, no, we don't
1: want that. No, right. But it's well, interesting. I don't you I know, don't th- know that th- I
0: want it because I don't. It's such it's so complicated. I don't even yeah. know quite how to unpack the question
1: and it's not even a complete mind wiping it appears mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there's there's these it's, it's presented differently than it was back in the quality of mercy yes it's not a complete death of personality it's it's submerged clearly so it would because, seem yeah because those memories are still there unless the memories themselves were being re-implanted by this centauri telepath he didn't say he was
0: doing that he said he was breaking the that, the mental the conditioning, conditioning the, the, right? yeah,
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah the imperial yeah, conditioning right, mentats, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> talk about mentats right um, um,
1: so so in that sense i mean does that make it if there are ethical issues over wiping someone's personality you mm-hmm. know death of personality like what happened to um uh, to Talia, right, uh, and and putting in something new on top of it, uh, does it make it any better that the original persona is still there under the surface? Mm-hmm. I mean, do these things never break? And they 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 do emphasize that it's you know it requires a telepath and, you know, or, or extreme circumstances to, right. to break this, uh, break this conditioning. Right. But uh, I thought it was
0: interesting that the Centauri telepath uh, expressed how difficult it was to break the, the conditioning. And Lita Alexander broke him in about 40 seconds. Yeah. Right. So,
1: oh, you know, she's got some stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Sporting some new gills.
0: Yeah. 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 What exactly is she doing? with or for Kosh
1: I don't know yeah
0: we'll learn in the fullness of time but
1: assuming that's even the same Lita Lita Alexander in any yeah in any real substantive yeah. way since since her body seems to have you know regenerated itself right in some way right
0: yeah interesting yeah yeah um mm. I- I'll just uh continue the through line you know as we sure. continue to build out uh, you know our master thesis for this entire program mm. Um, mm. If you weren't sold on the notion that this program is going to be asking really thoughtful and good questions about spirituality and religion, I think I don't think you can make that case anymore mm. right. Um, I think I think even the most hardcore non-believers would be able to find in this story a uh, uh, an emotional arc for this brother Edward character that would be resonant.
1: Yeah, even someone who's a, like a militant atheist and doesn't buy into any of this any of the religion trappings of right of what's going on in this episode you you don't necessarily need those to get to 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 to, to sympathize with the characters and to to right. get the emotional the emotional beats here right i like the fact fe- yeah go
0: it, it helps for it, sure it helps
1: but it's not yeah
0: um but i mean you know look here you and i are talking about this and uh i would say that you know n- neither of us uh, live a conventionally um, spiritually oriented life. You know, we're, we're not going to church. We're not going to temple. We're not. You know, that that's not True. where we're coming from. But yet, mm-hmm. you know, we have a um, you know a capacity to think about these things and to be moved mm-hmm. by them. Right. Right. Um, I was I was uh, uh, kind of mentally blown away a little bit by. Um, by the way that JMS wrote what Mimbari religion was about.
1: Yeah. You know, the
0: universe is seeking to answer the meaning of life for itself. Mm. Right? You know, the universe as a kind of supercomputer doing its own... Yeah. Right? I thought that was kind of wild. I mean, people talk about that now, but
1: not then, Mm right? Right? Uh, you probably could get it in some of the s- kind of places where, where new age met like fringe science, like your, your, uh, you know, quantum physics, you Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance kind of, uh, kind of element of things. I think Terrence McKenna was probably dabbling in this kind of stuff, uh, back in the eighties, nineties, Grant Morrison certainly was, um, you know, in in his uh, Invisibles series that was going on at about the same time. Huh. Um, I from, didn't read from that. From which a lot of, yeah, from which a lot of the, well, it, it borrowed a lot from Philip K. Dick, and then uh, the a lot of the the core ideas of the Matrix were then borrowed from the Invisibles. Uh-huh. So uh, so it's all uh, you know, it's the circle of life, as it. As yeah. As right. It right. Um, but yeah, it, it it's it's a it's a challenging and a novel concept and one that's, that's kind of gaining a little more uh, understanding and, and, and foundation today, gaining some footing. Right. Right. Um, the whole simulate universe is a simulation. Right. Angle of things. Yeah. We knew about their, their soul transmigration and, and, you know, wackiness, but, uh, you know, the the idea of that the the, the the sentence of the soul is not a localized phenomenon.
0: I love that line. Yeah. And right. I've What does have that have heard, mean? Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know I I listen to a lot of sort of of these kind of fringe yeah, science right, podcasts right. and whatnot. Right. And and one of the ones that I listen to, Mysterious Universe, an Australian podcast that I recommend. Um they talk often about uh, about uh, consciousness not being a localized phenomenon that mm. that we're merely receptors. We are uh, we are the radios, and the intellect in us, the the consciousness in us is actually beamed in from some other wow you know source. so so that's that's you know that's right in in line with with what they're talking about here. hundred percent. That's wild. Yeah yeah
0: it it helps to provide, hmm, let me let me back out of that and try it again. We've talked every other time that we've seen sort of bimbari spiritual practice with the crystals and the mm-hmm. you know all this kind of what did I call it like ninth level gnostic esoteric weirdness, right? yes. Okay. It kind of fits. Right. right? It, it's not ninth level esoteric weirdness for its own sake. Though the whole religious tradition is... Oh, oh. Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of cool piece, and I don't really get it,
1: you know? Yeah, this this is a keystone. Right, right. That helps all the things that we've, uh, that we've had up till this point about Minbari religion make a little more sense. Right. Except for that weird, like dining ritual Mm. thing which yeah, okay fine but Um, I viewed I viewed that as a monastic practice okay that's like a linear thing that's
0: not a mimbari thing yeah I I could be wrong about that but that's how I read it
1: Mm. yeah that's perfectly fair yeah Um, yeah very interesting and a a little drop of of uh, foreshadowing thrown in as they end their conversation you know, the Valen. Oh, he's a Mimbari, not born of Mimbar. It's like, oh, this is going. You don't throw a line right, in like right. that. You know, that's a that's a Chekhov's gun on the mantelpiece. Uh, you know, bum bum bum. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. When will yeah, we pay yeah, this little bit
0: off? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the last the last point that that that's in my head, you know, about this episode. And I'll ask the listeners to go back into the episode and and watch the scene where Commander Ivanova enters Bay 13. The point I wanted to make here was simply that I don't think I've ever seen Claudia Christian inhabit the role of Susan Ivanova as confidently, with as much poise, with as much dignity as she did in that moment. I don't really know what the difference was between that and every other performance that we've seen. And, uh, you know, I say this as, as a big fan of the way that she interprets this role. But there was something extraordinary, there's that word again, about her poise and the way in which she she just seemed after after 50 episodes I totally I totally get this character and and I'm gonna and I can live in this character with a place of real real confidence going forward so I, you know I, I, I wonder if I'm seeing things or, or if there's something there so I would encourage the viewers to go back Just play that 45 seconds. Look at the way that she walks in there, the way that she stands, the way that she interacts with Kosh. That is not a character who we were seeing even three episodes ago.
1: I definitely missed it. I'll I'll, I'll for sure go back and and take a look to see. Yeah. 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 This
0: This episode will certainly be in my top five at the end of this season, I think
1: good yeah and i think once we once maybe once at the end of the season maybe when we get to the uh to the end of the of the show at some point when we talk about our our favorite guest stars oh he's in number one yeah. right now he's he's certainly he's up there with uh you know with with david warner yep and um oh dear i'm drawing a blank death walker uh, you, no oh, well uh.
0: Ah. Yeah. I can't remember her name. Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs. Right. Well, yeah. no, no yeah. The point about Jeffrey Combs is that he was so poorly used.
1: It, that's true, too.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, poor Jeffrey Combs, saddled mm-hmm. with that Ari Benzane character. Right? Sarah Douglas.
1: Yeah. Sarah Douglas. Sarah Douglas. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, Deathwalker. <laughs> Ursa.
0: Right? Say again.
1: Wasn't she uh, Ursa from uh, Superman 2?
0: Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I I certainly think that Brad Dourif is likely to, for me. I, I mean, you would have to have a stemwinder of a performance to outdo him in in my mind mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I said before, th- this this episode I found profoundly moving. In 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 a way like the city on the edge of forever, or uh, mm-hmm. you know the the inner light, or. Mm-hmm. The visitor, or what have you, um, yeah. and and I, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't know what you you're going to have to do to top it, you know, in <laughs> yeah. in, in, in my mind. Um, well, those
1: are all top shelf uh, top shelf hours of science fiction. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, as I think this is
1: mm-hmm. agreed. Um, Great. Yeah. So I'd be interested in in knowing. Hearing from uh, from the listeners on the Facebook group if they agree with us mm-hmm. that this is this is you know the best or one of the best of the episodes of the series so far or maybe in its entirety. Those of you who've already seen the whole series multiple times, um, tell us your favorite other Brad DeReef roles. Hey, why not? Any anything uh, that you'd like to say?
0: Right, right. You know, I'm looking yeah. at Brad DeReef's, uh extraordinarily lengthy IMDb page. Right, yeah,
1: uh, he I, he's I, in a million things. He is. When he showed up in in one of the missed games, oh yeah, I wasn't expecting him, and he like you know appears. And my wife and I had played through the oh. first two. I think he was in the th- he's in the third one. He's in the third one, and he like he appears, and I was just like, oh, oh, things have just gone bad. We're 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 really we're screwed.
0: Okay, so now I'm I'm scrolling through his IMDb page. All right,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: He was in an episode of Millennium. Okay. Which I have forgotten, so I'm gonna to have to go back mm-hmm. and watch that. He was in an episode oh, of Fringe. It third
1: uh he was I do in, remember he was in fringe. No,
0: no. Millennium 1997, Seven, eight, okay. eight, nine, nine, 2000s. nine, two thousands. Second season. Okay. Well that the good one. Yeah. Ninety six, ninety seven, ninety 98, 98, 98. Yeah. Yeah. Millennium ended in nineteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So second season, the really good one. Okay. Um and uh he was in an episode of Fringe. I don't remember yeah.
1: that.
0: Mm. I um and I mean, just a million,
1: um, just a million yeah. things. So, well, you know, and the other problem that I have and is the voice of Chucky, of course. Of, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I always conflate him with Doug Hutchinson. Yeah. Who's who's like the the you know, you can't if you can't afford Brad to refute, you get Doug Hutchinson. Uh, right. You know, who was who was also in an early X-Files. You know, he was uh, Tombs and uh, and he was in. Uh, space above and beyond he was in lost and so right. like half of my brain is telling me that that was brad Derief in all of those places as well so right so in my mind his imdb page goes on for days right. it's all like great stuff
0: right yeah i mean you think about you know one of his very first roles was in uh you know one full over the cuckoo's nest and say like, okay well you you've, you've
1: <laughs> that's that's set you on a path
0: uh, well launched sir <laughs> yes. well launched you know yes um, well, folks, we've been going on about Brad Derief for forty-five minutes. I could, I could talk about yeah. Brad Derief. For... Yeah, Derief
1: cast. It's our next. Yeah, yeah we, we each week we, we watch one film, show, or something that's, that has Brad Derief in it. Uh, we'll just when we get to this episode, we'll just take this entire episode right, yeah, and drop it in because right. you know save us some work. Exactly. Uh, all right. All right, Chris. So, folks. Uh, Voice of Authority next week. Uh, 100% less Brad reef Talk.
0: 100% less Brad DeReef Talk. We'll see if this episode's any good when we get to it. All right. All right, Chris. Bye, folks. Cheers. Bye, Bye. John.